It is good to be in the house of the Lord. Last year, uh, my wife and I met Pastor Mark and Cindy at a marriage enrichment event. And it was very kind of Mark to extend the invitation uh, for me to speak today, so I do appreciate that. And I also appreciate the church as well for having me in. Is the... uh, Is this working okay? Okay, great. I spent 32 years of my life at the Rochester Police Department. And when you're working for a police department, there's many opportunities for training. Some of it's mandatory. You have to go to it. And some of it is an opportunity. For example, I had the opportunity to uh, attend a chaplain's academy and become a chaplain at the police department. Other opportunity I had is they sent me to an instructor development class to learn how to teach a class. And one of the things they taught you is the importance of introducing yourself. So I'd like to take a few moments and introduce myself so you have an idea who this guy is that's bringing you the message this morning. My name is James Woodward. I am a Christian. Jesus is my Lord and Savior. I have been born again. Raised in a Christian home, my father was a minister, my mom was a teacher, although she spent much of her time managing the household. My dad also served as a missionary, and so in the 1970s, I lived in the country of Haiti, very very impoverished country. Uh, We came back to the States, and I went to high school in Cuba, New York, not too terribly far from here college in Olean, and in 1988, I joined the Rochester Police Department. I still live in the Rochester area on the other side of Rochester, so a little bit of a drive this morning. Married to my wife, Chris, for 29 years. She would have liked to have been here. She sends her uh, greetings to you. We have three adult children. Our oldest, Tom, is married. He is a career firefighter. He and his wife, Olivia, have a son, Levi. Our daughter is Allie. She's a dental hygienist. Our youngest is Stephen. And he just started at a uh, Bible institute. His desire is to go into the gospel ministry. Uh, Praise God, all three of our kids are serving the Lord and walking with him. My wife and I are not perfect parents by any means. Would never claim that. Billy Graham said... Parenting is the most important responsibility most of us will ever face, and none of us does it perfectly. But my wife and I must have done something right, because all three of our kids, they're adults, they're all avid fans of the Buffalo Bills, so we must have done something right, right? So hopefully they win uh, later today. At the police department, I served as a patrol officer. Uh, The last 23 years there, I served as a a detective. And since I retired, I have a chaplain's ministry uh, to law enforcement, to my local fire department. I'm available to funeral homes to preside over services. You know, we live in a day and age where a lot of people are unchurched, don't have a minister, don't have a church. They have a death in the family. They'd still like to have a service. So the funeral homes can call me and I'll preside over a service for people. And then lastly, 
I uh, travel for some pulpit supply like right now. So that's what brings me here uh, this morning. It's my passion to help people get connected with God, whether they're kicking the tires, if you will, of Christianity or a longtime believer and encourage them in their faith. One of the things I like to do is hand out these New Testaments to first responders. A lot of uh, resources in here about what to read in the Bible if you're going through different difficulties. So I've handed out over 100 of these. I like to sign them with a note of camaraderie. If you are an active or retired first responder, your local fire department, police department, corrections, served at 911, those sorts of things. If you'd like to have one, if you served in that capacity or do serve, see me afterward. I'd like to give you one of these and uh, sign it for you with just a note of encouragement and a note of camaraderie. Well, I want to talk today about hope. And as you may know, hope in the Bible is not a hope so like we talk about in our everyday language, but it's more of a blessed assurance, more of a blessed assurance. That's how I would define hope in the Bible. And when I was a child, I think it'd be fair to say that I was naive or insulated, if you will, to the problems in our world. Now that I am well into my 50s, I'm very aware of the brokenness, the dysfunction, the sadness, and loss all around us. This summer, a friend of mine passed away. One of those unexpected passings. It's interesting that we use that term, how someone passed away unexpectedly, because truthfully, none of us are promised tomorrow. Right? None of us are promised tomorrow. And so when someone you know passes from this life into the next, what do you do? Where do you turn? Well, the Bible is full of so much hope, full of so much hope for the believer. The Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Timothy, I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all of them that love his appearing. And the psalmist says, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. So the core of our hope as believers, the root of our hope, is what Jesus accomplished for us at Calvary. So the title of the message today, if you're taking notes, is Hope for Now and Eternity. Hope for Now and Eternity. Some time ago, I presided over a service for a military veteran. He had served in the Korean War. And he was also a career police officer. And so at the graveside, there was what they call full military honors. I'm guessing many of you have seen that, where the military is there from the branch of which this person served. They play taps in the distance, they fold the flag and give it to the family. 
as he'd been a career police officer, there was a uh, honor guard from the police department where he had served, some memorabilia there at Graveside. And symbols are kind of part of who we are, right? For Americans, the, the, the American flag is, is important, right? You know, as, as a husband, I, I wear this, this wedding band. Is, is this a nice piece of jewelry? Yeah, it's nice. But it's more than just a piece of jewelry, right? This is something that is a symbol of a covenant between my wife and I. I uh, carry a badge here. Yeah, it says retired on it. Um, but, but, but once a cop, always a cop, right? It's part of who I am. Some of you uh, will, will occasionally wear bands. I've, I, I've got a band here. Officer Anthony Mazurkowitz, end of watch, 7-21-2022. Rochester police officer who gave his life in the line of duty this summer. I wear another band here that it's a representation of the gospel about Jesus coming and dying on the cross for our sins. For the Christian, and I hope everyone here is a Christian or that you will consider becoming a Christian, it is the cross, it is the cross that is our symbol of hope, where hope is found. So today I want to focus on the cross and the resurrection of Christ and the hope that is found there. The passage will be 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 22. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 22. If you'd like to turn there, if you don't have a Bible, that's fine. If you'd like to listen, listen that'd be great. This is written by the Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 22, and the Bible says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel, which I preached to you, which also you received, and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by over five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain in the present, but some have fallen asleep. After that, he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. Then last of all, he was seen by me also, as by one born out of due time, for I am the least of the apostles, who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Therefore, whether it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. Now if Christ has preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? 
But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most pitiable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and has become the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. Would you join me in prayer? Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Relevant then and relevant today on September 25th, 2022, here in Dunkirk, New York. Thank you for this opportunity to be here with those of like precious faith. May our time here this morning be about you and less of us. Help us to leave here changed, even if just a little bit. In the name of Jesus, my Lord and my Savior, amen. Well, I want to make some observations, draw some conclusions from these verses, from this passage. And full disclosure, it's just going to be a surface glimpse. I don't know if it's possible to mine everything spiritually from these, from these verses, this side of glory. But if it was, if it is, it would take us a lot longer than 30 minutes. Point one, if you're taking notes, point one, notice the term brethren. I came in this morning and met some very kind people. Robert, uh, I met Dan. They're my brothers in Christ, right? Even though I've only known them for less than an hour, they're my brothers in Christ. Some of you are my sisters in Christ. This passage speaks about the family of God. You know, as families, you may say, Jim, yeah, I knew that. Um, we all have some dysfunction, don't we? You as a person, you have some dysfunction. If you don't think you have some dysfunction, ask someone you live with. They'll tell you. Every organization has some dysfunction. Anything that involves humans has some, has some dysfunction. All churches have some dysfunction. I'm not really saying anything that's particularly a surprise. We're all flawed. In Romans it says we're all sinners, right? That's part of the point of church, the importance of church when we gather together in person for the fellowship for the accountability, for the encouragement, for the edification. 
If we had it all together, there'd be no need of church. Well, we don't have it all together. We need church, and so that's one of the purposes of the local church, to be in fellowship, to be encouraged by the word, prayer. And uh, coming to a place like the First Baptist Church of Dunkirk only enhances your walk of faith. So point one talks about the family of God, talks about being brothers and sisters in Christ. Point two, the gospel. Point two, this passage talks about the gospel, right? Right in verse one, declare to you the gospel. You know, even our, even our uh, secular culture will use the term gospel. I think it's interesting when someone will say, yeah, that's the gospel truth, right? You ever hear that before? The Apostle Paul clearly explains and delineates here what is the gospel. A friend of mine says there is a difference between belief in God and believing God. And he's right. Most people, oh yeah, 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 there's a God. I believe there's a higher power. But they don't really believe God. Let me reread uh, verses 1 through 4 here. I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, and in which you stand, by which also you are saved. Saved is a biblical term. You ever hear someone say, yeah, that's when I got saved. That's a biblical term. If you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain... For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ, and here's the gospel, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Anybody ask you, what's the gospel? Take him right to that passage. Pastor Paul is saying that is the gospel. You know, believing God or trusting God is more than just some sort of mental assent. It's a belief that changes your life, quite frankly. It changes your life. And so in Ephesians, it talks about salvation as a gift and no merit of our own, not of any religious works. You know, no doubt you've sung the, the, the old hymn, Amazing Grace. That hymn is speaking of the grace of God, of this gift. When I was at the police department, they issue you a lot of equipment. One of the things they issue you is a bullet-resistant vest. I believe in them. But you know when you really believe in them? When you put it on. Not when it's hanging up in your locker. Right? So a person who believes God receives this gift of salvation. Jesus talks about this in the Gospel of John, chapter 3, where he says you must be born again. Later on in that same chapter, John 3.16, arguably, well not arguably, I would say most of us would, would agree, the most well-loved verse of all uh, Scripture, for God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And then in Ephesians, it talks about, for by grace you have been saved through faith, 
and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And sometimes I think we forget verse 10. There is a verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So the cross of Christ is the root, the gift is the root, grace is the root, and the fruit of salvation, the fruit of your salvation, is the evidence of your salvation, is your good works. In the book of James, it talks about a true faith will be evidenced by good works. Adrian Rogers was a pastor, he has since passed away, but he said this, holiness is not the way to Christ. Holiness is not the way to Christ. Christ is the way to holiness. When someone trusts in Christ, that's typically done through a prayer. The sinner's prayer. A prayer of repentance, of confession, belief, and trust. But when that but that prayer itself doesn't save you, okay? If, if your trust and belief is not evidenced by a changed life, then maybe, maybe take a look at where you are. You know, if someone is a Christian, they've been born again, they should have interest in attending church. They should have interest in serving the Lord. They should have interest in reading the Bible. They should have interest in praying. They should have interest in sharing your faith. And so, so we're talking about the gospel here, right? How it changes your life. And the passage moves into the historical account of the resurrection of Christ, which, of course, is part of the gospel. Jesus rising from the grave is, of course, part of this good news. Now, let's read verses 5 through 8 again. The witnesses to the resurrection of Christ. And then he was, and then he was seen by Cephas... Then by the twelve. After that he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep. After that he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. Then last of all he was seen by me, as by one born out of due time. I'm going to read this ninth verse here. I love this verse. For I am the least of the apostles, who am not worthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. If someone ever says, I'm too bad of a guy to be saved, I don't think so. The Apostle Paul, in another passage, refers to himself as the chief of sinners. He was a, he was a pretty bad guy. And the gospel of grace of Jesus Christ reached him. Now, when we go through life, we read the Bible, you know, oftentimes we, we just kind of see things through our vision of what we've experienced, right? That, that's probably most of us would agree with that. When I'm reading this, it takes me back to police work, all right? Witnesses. Witnesses are a big part of police work. You show up to a crime scene, police work 101. Is there any witnesses, right? Let me uh, deputize all of you and make you all honorary police officers for the next five minutes, all right?
Let's say, for instance, there's a uh, 911 call report of gunfire. So that's a priority call. You know, you're eating your lunch, and oh, I gotta finish this later, let me go to this call. You respond, you pull up, and there's a guy, you know, working on his lawn. And it kind of seems like nothing's going on. So you got out of your car, you're trying to be careful, and hey, sir, you know, we've got a report of gunfire here. Anything happen? No. Okay. You hear anything? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, uh, the uh, guy across the street, he, was, he has this old truck, and it backfired terrible uh, about four times, and he, that was about five minutes ago. Okay. So you want to be thorough, you get out your cell phone, you, you call the person who called 911. Yeah, this is uh, Officer Woodward with the Rochester Police Department. You called 911? Uh, yes, sir, I did. What did you see? I didn't see anything. I, I just heard what sounded like gunfire. Okay, thank you very much, sir. Have a nice day. What do you have? Basically, nothing, right? You let 911 know what you have, you go back in service. A couple weeks later, you're at the police station, get a call for shots fired. You respond. As you're responding, 911 says, yeah, we got a report that a, uh, a person shot had been dropped off at the hospital by a private vehicle. Okay, so your adrenaline goes up a little bit. As you pull up to the scene, you can see <laughs> bullet casings in the street, right? And people are beginning to scatter. You think you might have something going on? I'd say so. You'd want to block the street off, get some more cars, send a couple of detectives to the uh, hospital to interview the person, perhaps before he goes into surgery, or interview the person who drove him to the hospital. Did you know that collecting those casings, they can match a firearm? So if a witness identifies a bad guy and the bad guy is found in possession of a firearm and that firearm matches the casings found in the street, I think that's kind of a good case, right? You're, you're developing a case, right? This world's gotten very complex with, with investigations, with evidence, as, as technology happens. You know, fingerprints, I'm sure you've heard of fingerprints. DNA, I've solved cases from DNA. The idea that this complex world with DNA is all happenstance? <laughs> I don't think so. I think there is a, design there is a designer, and that person is God. You're all undeputized now. I just can't have you going out doing police work without having been through a police academy, so you are all undeputized. But this, this passage speaks about witnesses, right? And witnesses were important then, and they're critical today. You know, in the world of law enforcement, you can arrest somebody, which is kind of a serious thing, taking away their freedom, on the word of one credible witness. I've done it. What's the Bible say about how many witnesses to the resurrection? Hundreds. Hundreds of witnesses 
to, to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Verse 6, And after that he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained to the present. The legitimacy of Christianity... And the reason why we're here is because we're Christians, right? That's the reason why we're in this building. Or you're thinking about becoming a Christian. The legitimacy of Christianity rests on whether Jesus rose from the grave. Some may try to argue that this this can't be trusted. And if they're an agnostic or an atheist or someone who just is antagonistic towards Christianity. People, people will say things like that. You know what they can't really argue with, though? Your life. You live for Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, people will say things like this in the office. You know, Joe, I'm not religious myself. I'm skeptical. But I'll say this. There's something about your life that's different. I think there's something about your faith that's real. People will say that to you. There's a number of different things I could read about the resurrection. Let me, uh, let me read this from, from Jimmy DeYoung. I guess it really connected with me in particular because it references an area of our country not too far from here. This is an interesting conversation that Jimmy DeYoung had about the resurrection of Christ from his book that he wrote on Revelation. Jimmy DeYoung says, I had an opportunity to speak to a high school over in West Seneca, New York, near Buffalo. As I was speaking in the assembly, I talked about Jesus Christ, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. After it was all over, a young man came to me and asked me the question, how did I know that Jesus Christ had resurrected from the dead? I said, it's right here in the Bible. He said, you mean that you got that out of a Bible? I said, yes, I did. Come on, man. You got that out of a book? Were you there when Jesus Christ resurrected? No, I wasn't. Do you know anybody who was there when he resurrected? No, I do not. He thought he had me for a moment, but then I looked him square in the eye and I said, let me ask you a question. Who was the first president of the United States? George Washington. Everybody knows that. Where did you get that from? It's in every textbook in this high school. You mean you got that out of a book? Come on, man. Were you alive when George was president? He said, no. Do you know anybody who was? He said, no. Jimmy DeYoung goes on to say, we have more evidence to prove that Jesus Christ resurrected from the dead than we have to prove that George Washington was the first president of the United States. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the key event in all of history This is the foundation of our faith and eternal life through the person of Jesus Christ, the key event in all of history. 
Point one, just to review a little bit, is about our relationship as Christians, the family of God. Point two, the Apostle Paul delineates clearly what is the gospel, what is the good news of Jesus Christ. Point three is about the witnesses to the resurrection. There were hundreds of witnesses that Jesus rose from the grave. Well, lastly, point four, what should our response be to this passage of Scripture? And there's many, there's many other supporting passages. I think of Romans where the Apostle Paul has all this great theology about the gospel. But what should our response be to this passage? Well, I don't ever assume things, right? Um, I, I'm gathering that, that most of you know Christ as your Savior. But if you don't, today would be a pretty good day to know him, to meet him. The Bible says, now is the day of salvation. If you do know the Lord, this message, this passage is about our hope in the resurrection. Hope for now as you live and for eternity. Jesus said in the Gospel of John, chapter 11, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? A number of years before Billy Graham passed away, he said that someday you're going to read or learn that I died. Don't you believe a word of it. I will be more alive than I am now. I will just have changed my address. As a Christian, know the gospel, live the gospel, share the gospel, know the plan of salvation, use this passage, it's glorious news. Don't be intimidated by an atheist. Don't be arrogant, but don't be intimidated. I'm telling you, they don't have the answers. They don't have the answers. They don't have the answers to something as basic as what's the purpose of life. They don't have the answers. The Bible offers you hope on your deathbed. Our world does not have the answers. And the testimony of your changed life is powerful. One of my favorite verses of all the Bible, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Well, I want to again thank you for having me here. I don't take it lightly. I appreciate it. I'd like to close in a prayer of benediction. 
And then afterward, there is a time of fellowship and coffee. That I'd encourage all of you to take advantage of that, spend some time together. I'll be in front here if anybody has a prayer request or wants to talk about anything. And I will have some uh, New Testaments if there's any active or retired first responders who would like one. Would you uh, join me in a word of prayer? Father in heaven, thank you for your word. It's my heart's desire just to be your humble servant. And any time that we read your word, we know that it doesn't return void. I don't know everyone's story here, but I know that everyone has a story, and you know it. I pray for each person here that you'd meet them where they are, help them to turn to you for their needs, ultimately for hope, the hope that's found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. My prayer for everyone here, my brothers and sisters in Christ, as they go out into this world and share the glorious news of Jesus, that the Lord bless you and keep you, the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you, the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen? God bless you all.